I want to welcome you to uh, the last sermon series I'm probably ever going to do here. So um, it's really going to go out in a blaze of glory here. So um, uh, we're, we're glad that you're uh, here, that we live, uh, we just do, the, the megaphones are up here for a reason. We live in a loud culture. I heard uh, about an older couple that, that made this comment. They said, I don't have a computer. Uh, so I, I don't have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, but I was reading an article about it. And so they said, we're trying to make friends uh, with people uh, using the same principles, just using uh, the same principles in our everyday lives. So it says every day we walk down the street and we tell passerbys uh, what we've eaten, how we feel and what happened the night before and what we'll do for the rest of the day. Uh, we just randomly hand out pictures of, uh, of, of each other, our daughter, our dog, our gardening and our holiday uh, spending time by the pool. Uh, we overhear conversations and tell them we like them, uh, even uh, when they haven't asked for our opinion on the subject. Well, we share our opinion, whether it interests them or not, and it works. We already have four people following us, two police officers, a social worker, and a psychiatrist, right? Uh, we live uh, in a loud and opinionated culture. Now, it's important that I think we understand this right off the bat. There are some things that have changed, and there are some things that have not changed. Um, one of the things that has not changed is that people have opinions. People have always had opinions. Several years ago, uh, uh, our family went to the Abraham Lincoln Museum, uh, Abraham Lincoln Museum, and if you've ever been to that museum, there is a room uh, where there are all of these cartoons that were published about Abraham Lincoln, just venomous, kind of vile stuff that was written about Abraham Lincoln, and I'll, I'll sometimes hear people say in modern day, there has never been a president hated this way before, and it's like, have you been to the Abraham Lincoln Museum? <laughs> right, because what, what is not different is that people have opinions. We've always had opinions. What's different today is the way those opinions are shared. It used to be that if you had a strong opinion about something, you would write up a piece and you'd have to get it published in the newspaper or you'd call into talk radio and have to make it past a, a, a call screener. There were very few voices that were heard at the national level. And what has been changed in our culture is that we have all been handed a megaphone right, called social media. And we all have the ability to express our opinion, and certainly that's not all bad, but we also have access to everyone else's uh, opinion. And what all of this access has done to opinion and what this loud culture has done to us is it has made us a very offended culture. All right, we are offended as a culture almost constantly. I've seen two of my uh, friends uh, unfriend each other and literally stop talking over politics. You may remember after our president was elected but was not yet in office, there was actually a couple news articles that came out. Um, so he had been elected but not in office yet about how people were gonna handle Thanksgiving. And there were multiple stories about how uh, family members were, were refusing to see each other at Thanksgiving because there was going to be someone there that voted for our president or voted against our, our, our president. And they were like, I just can't handle the offense. I'm just going to be so offended, so I'm skipping Thanksgiving. Uh, I had two friends that stopped talking to each other over the issue of sports. Uh, they were engaging in an argument over the greatest of all time in basketball. Was it Michael Jordan or was it LeBron James? And by the way, your answer to that depends greatly on your age, but they were arguing over this. And I was following the thread. And before I could even get to the end of the, uh, of the thread, one of the friends said, we shouldn't talk anymore. Let's just be done. And before I knew it, they unfriended each other. And to this day, to my knowledge, they're still not friends. 
Uh, we've seen people divided over culture, gay marriage, abortion rights, gun rights. Uh, I, I've seen this culture lead to debate. Uh, and divide Christians uh, on almost a weekly basis. So let me give you a little background, all right? So we got this loud culture. This loud culture leads to a lot of offense, a lot of people offended. And let me tell you how this series got started, is one day our youth minister came in, uh, and he'd been gone for a little bit, and came in and said, I have a question that I was thinking about while I was on vacation. And here was the question. Do you think a follower of Jesus has the right to be offended? All right, that's the question. We're gonna spend uh, the better part of five weeks in this question. But that is the question on the screen. Do you think a follower of Jesus has the right to be offended? Because I see so much offense and so much arguing and so much debate. Does a Christian have the right to be uh, offended? And we started studying and what we discovered is that the Bible actually had quite a bit to say about it. Like I said, enough to preach for five weeks. Right? And, and so the Bible had quite a bit to say, for, uh, to say about it. And what we discovered is that there is a Greek word that most of the time the King James translates as offended. And uh, the word is scandalizo. And it doesn't always describe interpersonal relationships, but it often does. But in the active, it describes someone uh, who has been led into sin by their offense. Right? So they hear something or they see something that bothers them. And as the result of what they've heard or what they've seen, they have been led into sin. This word scandalizo never describes Jesus. So to answer the question very early on, should a Christian ever be offended? In the literal Greek definition of this word, the answer is no. But please come back for five more weeks because there's some nuanced discussion to have, right? Uh, that Jesus was never offended in this way. In other words, Jesus was never led into sin by his reactions to other people. You know who this word often describes? The religious leaders of Jesus is dead. And believe me, spoiler alert, you don't want to be like them. Right? They heard Jesus. They saw Jesus preach. They, they heard what he had to teach. And, and they were offended and they were so angry, and they were so bothered by what Jesus had to say that they were led into sin by it. And they said, we gotta destroy this guy. We gotta kill this guy. We've gotta crucify him. And listen, I don't think there's a ton of that mindset going on, but I'm gonna be honest with you, when it comes to scandalizo, I see a lot of venom in our culture. That we hear something, or we see something that we disagree with, and our reaction is, they need to be destroyed. It may not be crucify him, crucify him, but it's not that far from that. They need to be destroyed. They have to be fired, right? They have to be uh, destroyed professionally. They have to lose everything. And then here's the, the, the switch. It's, I'm going to help make that happen. So I'm going to write. I'm going to post. I'm going to do whatever I can uh, to, to make sure this person is destroyed because I disagree and I am offended and I am bothered. So that's the active form, is all right, I'm being led into sin by my disagreement. In the passive form, it's describing someone who unintentionally, or sometimes intentionally, but mostly unintentionally, has led others into sin. That I, most likely unintentionally, is how this word is used, that I have offended you, I have made you angry, and now you have been led into sin by me. 
Um, and sometimes people, you're, we're trying to make each other angry. I know that happens. But most of the time in the Bible, this is unintentional, that I am living my life. I am following Jesus. I'm doing whatever. And I have made you angry, but I have no idea that you're angry, but you have been led into sin because now you want to maybe destroy me. And the Bible has something to say about this as well. So here's the question as we start the series. It's tense. It's more tense in here than I thought it would be. That was my humorous opening. All right, so I think I'm in trouble for the rest of the sermon. This isn't funny at all. All right, so, all right, so here's, here's the question. Am I walking around offended? Am I walking in scandalizo, where I am hearing something or I'm seeing something and I am being led into sin by my reaction? Let me show you a text. All right, here's what the Bible has to say. Then, uh, this is Jesus talking to his early followers. He says, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, all right, King James translates it this way, at that time, many will be offended, and many will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached uh, in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Kind of interesting, right? It's like, at the end of time, Jesus is talking about the end of days. At the end of days, many are going to be offended, right? Many are going to be bothered, dot, 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 and then the end will come, right? So here's the, the question this text asks is, has my offense caused me to hate others? Am I being led into sin by my offense? This text is describing a time where Christians, this is a passive kind of uh, usage of this word, where Christians will be offending others simply by following Jesus. We're going to talk more about this later. But by following Jesus, by listening to them, by doing his life, by doing life his way, people are going to be offended. Some offense is inevitable. And so the culture in this text, the culture is being led into sin by their reaction to Christians. They are seeing the way Christians live. They are hearing what Christians say. They are seeing these followers of Jesus and they are thinking to themselves, they need to be destroyed. They need to be shut up. They need to be persecuted. And yes, they need to be killed. And so in this case, the culture is the scandalizo, the culture in their view against Christians. But you can kind of see how this word works. I hear something I disagree with. I see something I disagree with and I'm led into sin. That needs to be destroyed. That needs to be stopped. And, and so the question I asked earlier really is not the best question. Because if I were to ask this room, the question I just asked that, are you, are you led into hate when you hear something that you're offended by? Uh, almost everybody in this room is going to answer that no. I'm not a hateful person. I don't tend to hate. But I like how this text describes it because the text describes it this way, uh, that their love had grown cold. Over time in this culture, the love had grown cold. So I think that's a better question. When you hear something that you disagree with, when you see something you disagree with, here's the question. Does your love grow cold toward the person you disagree with? When something happens in politics, when something happens in sports, when something happens in culture, does your love grow cold as the result of you being bothered and being offended? Here's how the Apostle Paul said it. All right, add a little context to this. All right, I'm going to move from preaching to meddling. All right, so um, love is patient, 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. That's how love is described. So when I hear and see something that I disagree with, does my love grow cold toward others? Do I become impatient? Do I become unkind? Do I become boastful when my way wins? Do I become easily angered? Do I have a long memory for those who offend me? I've actually heard people brag about that. I'll never forget. You get that's not like a cool thing, right? <laughs> right? That I'll never forget what you did to me. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13, all right? Um, and, and so d- does my love for others tend to grow cold. And I think one of the problems in our culture on this is that so little interaction happens face to face. And online, it is easy for my love for you to grow cold. Online, it is easy for that to happen. It is easy for me online to become impatient. It is easy for me to become unkind. It is easy for me to give up on people. I disagree, unfriend. I disagree, unfollow. I am never seeing your posts again. It is easy for that to happen, face to face. I think more interactions need, and this is, I'm just preaching into the wind probably here because this isn't going backward anytime soon, but I think more interaction needs to happen face to face because when I disagree with you face to face, I'm probably not gonna go, done, (laughs) we're done. It's it's probably gonna be a softer, better interaction, a more loving interaction when it happens face to face. Now, all that being said, here's the deal and here's the truth. This is not a sermon series against being bothered. Because here's the truth. Everyone at some point is bothered. Everybody at some point is offended. This is a way of life. It's just true. So the question becomes, how do you avoid being led into sin when you feel that way? Because every person in this room, you're going to go home, you're going to watch the news, you're going to get on social media, you're going to interact with someone, and you are going to be bothered. Some of it, as we'll talk about in a minute, is actually a good thing. You're going to be bothered. So how do you avoid being led into sin? Here's what the Apostle Paul said. I'm so glad you asked, right? Um, I urge you, brothers, and it's like some people just want to be mad, I think, but this is what Paul says. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. This is scandalizo, offend. So watch out for those who cause divisions and offend uh, that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. And I love what Paul is saying here. He says, listen, as you follow Jesus, as you place your faith in him, there are going to be things in culture and in life that bother you. And they should. Right? We just got done with the Sermon on the Mount. It was Jesus that said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here's the deal Jesus is teaching. A sexually charged culture should bother you. Right? When you turn on the news or when you turn on the TV and you see the sexually charged culture that we live in, you should be bothered. I remember we were, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we were watching the NCAA tournament with our seven and a half year old in the middle of the day. And I could not believe 
some of the commercials that came out. While my seven and a half year old is in the room, it's like, can I not watch basketball in the middle of the day without having a sexually charged culture preaching to my child? And that should bother you. Uh, uh, my, I, I always think about, I've used this example be- before, but my 71-year-old father, in his lifetime, when he was a kid and was watching TV, a husband and wife didn't sleep in the same bed. Right? That's in my dad's lifetime. He's 71. That a husband and wife didn't sleep in the same bed. And now you have this ridiculousness that is happening today. Sexually charged culture should bother you. Jesus also taught in that sermon, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So Jesus is teaching us a materialistic culture should bother us, right? It should bother us when we see a culture that is borderline obsessed with stuff and things, a culture where people are satisfying their every whim while others are being overlooked and mistreated. But materialistic culture should bother us. Jesus said in that sermon, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me get that little speck out of your eye when the whole time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take out the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. A judgmental, harsh culture should bother us. And here's the deal on this. We live in a culture where everybody wants to believe they are not judgmental. But we can't all be right, right? We can't all be right. And so, and the the test of this is you just see someone that holds a different political opinion than you. You see, have someone that holds a different religious opinion than you, someone that holds a different cultural opinion. The question becomes, when someone disagrees with me, am I still non-judgmental then? Or am I non-judgmental with those that simply uh, agree with me and peruse Facebook and social media? And I am telling you, we do not buy this false narrative. We live in a very judgmental culture. We do. We live in a very, very judgmental and harsh culture. And according to Jesus, that should bother us. So listen, this is not a sermon series about not being bothered you are going to hear things and you are going to see things as a follower of Jesus that bother you, and they should. But notice the advice from the Apostle Paul. This is where our culture has turned the corner in a negative way. The advice from the Apostle Paul is not destroy them. This is where our culture has gone wrong. It's like, I disagree with you. I object to you. Now I'm going to see to it that you are destroyed. That is not the advice from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is stay away from it. Right? Not destroy it. Stay away from it. In other words, if you are being routinely offended and routinely angered and routinely scandalizo, led into sin, if that's routinely happening, Paul's advice to you is stay away from that issue for a while. And Jesus actually expands on this point a little bit. I want to show it to you because Jesus uses scandalizo in this text. Here's what he says. If your right hand causes you to stumble, be offended. If your right hand causes you to be offended... Cut it off. 
It is better, this is gonna sound a lot like the lust text we studied. Uh, it's actually um, uh, applied to all temptation. But he says, if your right hand causes you to be offended, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed with two hands than to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have, uh, two, uh, crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better uh, to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two, uh, two eyes and, and thrown into hell where the worms uh, that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. So in this text, Jesus is teaching us how you handle anything that is causing you to be led into sin, that is causing you to be offended. And it's kind of funny to think about. Think about like your right hand offending you. I think Jesus is actually using a little bit of humor in this text that you see somebody across the way and you think to yourself, I'm going to walk up to them and I'm going to shake their hand. So you're walking across the way. I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to shake their hand. And then you get right up on top of them and out of nowhere, your right hand slaps them in the face. You're offended. They're offended. You've been led into sin. Or you see somebody across the way and you're like, they are falling off the stage. I am going to use my feet and I'm going to run to them and I'm going to help them. And so you're thinking that. You're running from the back of the room up. You see someone getting ready to fall. I'm going to help them. I'm going to help them. And you get right up on top of them. And out of nowhere, your foot just starts kicking them. All right? Or with your eye. You think, man, I want to use my eyes to see the pain of people. I want to use my eyes to see the pain of people. But every time you look at someone, all you see is their sin and all you see is how terrible they are and your sin, your sin causes you to stumble. This is what Jesus is addressing. What do you do about that? When your right hand, your foot, your eye causes you to be offended, causes you to stumble. And I want to pause here just for a minute. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your hands. He has a plan for your feet. He has a plan for your eyes. I honestly believe God has an ordained purpose for you and for me. But here's the deal on this. Some of us, some of us are getting so offended on so many issues. I believe this issue is causing us to stumble. It is causing us to live a life that is less than the life God wants us to live. And sometimes this happens by distraction, right? Where we should be sharing Jesus with people. We should be telling people about Jesus. And, and instead, we're just angry about filling the blank. And then some of it, as we've been talking about, is just plain sin. We are so angry. We are so angry in this culture and we're wanting to see the destruction of someone else as the result of our anger. And so we aren't living the life God has called us to live. Now listen, Jesus is not advocating self-mutilation here, right? Jesus is being humorous. Here's Jesus' point. If Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, if that news site or that sports show, if it is causing you to stumble, if it is causing you to be offended, if it is causing you to be led into sin, here is Jesus' point. Do something about it. Do something about it. Right? And, and this would be true about any issue that is causing you to stumble, that is causing you to live a life that is less than. Jesus' point is do something. Stop posting. Stop watching. Stop engaging in the arguments. Leave it alone, as Paul said. Do something. 
So I'm gonna be honest. I have, this has been true for me for about five years. I am super concerned about our culture. I am. We cannot live up here with this amount of offense, with this amount of being offended, without consequences to our culture. And here's my personal opinion. My personal opinion is that violent outbursts are gonna increase. We, we just can't live up here. And I think mental health issues are going to increase because we cannot continue to live this way. Being offended and taking offense at everything. We can't do it. So what do we do? Well, I think what we need, and I posted about this earlier this week, I think we need a good fight. And here's what I mean. If you're like me, and you probably noticed this from this sermon, if you're like me and you got a little fight in you, I got a little fight in me, right? I like to debate, I like to argue, right? I think I'm right a lot of the times. If I thought I was wrong, I'd hold a different opinion, right? All right, so, that is, right? Am I wrong, right? It's like, no, if you think you're right, or otherwise you change your opinion, right? So we all think that, and I think what our culture needs from Christians is a little bit of fight, and not the fight that you think about. Let me put this on the screen for you. I think we need Christians to fight for love. And believe me, this is a battle, and this is a fight. It sounds trite, but this is a battle, and this is a fight. We need Christians to step into the arena and say, I am a Republican. I am going to tr figure out, I'm going to fight to figure out how to love Democrats. Or I am a Democrat, and I'm going to get into the arena, and I'm going to fight to figure out how to love Republicans. Right? We need people to get in the arena and fight to figure out how to love those with a different perspective, those that have a different Christian perspective, those that are not Christian at all. We need Christians on social media and in this culture to fight and to say, no, 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 you think differently than me. I still love you. No, 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 you act differently than me. I still love you. No, 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 we have a difference of opinion. I still love you. And to end this nonsense, once and for all, where I am offended, I am bothered by what you say, and now I've got to destroy you. Because there is no text where Jesus says, cool, you can hate now. There, there is no text like that in the Bible. I've read this thing. There, there is no text where Jesus says, you've tried hard enough, you've done enough, they, they, they've said too much, they've gone too far. I didn't mean Republicans, I didn't mean Democrats. You don't have to love them. There is no text that says that. On the contrary, Jesus will say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So we need Christians. The answer to this is not get off social media unless you're really being led into sin, but, but you're, you're just so, like, can't believe people feel this way and you're so angry that, that you're being... That's not the answer though, and everybody else. The answer to this is fight. To figure out how to love people that are different than us. And listen, Christians, followers of Jesus, I started out saying, does a follower of Jesus has the right to, have the right to be offended? Here's the deal, followers of Jesus ought to be leading the way on this. Because we, we serve a savior who saw us in our sin and was bothered by our sin and he got into the arena and he fought for us. He fought for us. He fought for you and he fought for me. 
so that we could have the life-changing God relationship with God we were created to have. He refused to give up. He refused to give in. He refused to walk away. He refused to unfriend. He refused to unfollow. He stayed in the arena. And he is our example. So as followers of Jesus, we give up on this foolishness. We don't fall for the trap. We don't fall for the bait. We don't fall for it at all. We say, no, no, no. We just disagree. I still love you. No, no, no. We have a different point of view. I still love you. I think I'm right. I'd hold a different opinion if I didn't, right? So I still have my opinion. You still have yours, but I still love you and I still care about you and I'm in the arena. So we have to figure this out. What it looks like to fight for love as Christians because our Savior did it for us And this is how we know what love is. Christ Jesus died for us. While we were still in our sins, he died for us. While we were in the middle of our offense, while we were in the the middle of our sin, Christ Jesus died for us. So we hop into the arena day after day at work on social media with our family. We say, no, 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 I'm not giving up on you. I'm not walking away. I'm not done. We're gonna figure this out. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, Uh, as we get ready uh, to participate in this deal that you call communion, where we remember how you uh, got into the arena and you fought for us, may we follow your example as we receive these emblems. May we follow your example and may we love others the same way. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's in his name we pray, amen. We are gonna receive uh, communion together right now, as I said in the prayer, and this is, this is Jesus getting into the arena. This is Jesus refusing to give up, refusing to give in, and coming after his kids. And so we're gonna remember that together, and I just want us to kind of uh, make the mental note of this is what Jesus accomplished, this is what Jesus did, how can I act the same way. How can I be like Jesus? And uh, well, uh, you'll, you'll see two cups stacked on top of each other. Just pull those cups out. Thank Jesus for getting into the arena of love and for doing what he did. And then I'll come up in just a minute and we'll receive communion uh, together as a church family.